wouldn't happen to have a bone to pick with Dandelion, would you? Of course I do. Are you serious? Dead serious. Dandelion published a sonnet recently. Second stanza, the shit uses paired couplets instead of an inserted rhyme. Surely you understand how deeply offended the poetry lover in me was. The bastard shan't get away with it. I was being serious. As am I when I say I have exactly no time to worry about your gigolo boyfriend. Got me own problems. Problems you might be able to help me with. It's Sunday, June 5th. The French Open final is going on, but we're away from it because <laughs> we're going to go treasure hunting. Lucy, Ooh. how was your Sunday? It's good. Yeah, I've had a busy one. I'm back at the gym because I'm going on holiday in 20 days. So I'm panicking. There you go. Back <laughs> so I'm trying at to get back gym. in the gym. Yeah. Get your legs under you. I know. Well, yeah, I was just like, I went to the gym yesterday and did all legs. So now like today I can't move um, or walk down the stairs. <laughs> so I went back to the gym today and you know, when you just go on the bike and it just like totally eases out your legs. So I feel good now, but I'm probably going to feel doubly bad tomorrow. <laughs> See, the bike is one of those things I can't do. That's the only time I use it is when I have really stiff legs. It helps okay. like ease them up a bit. You can actually see behind me those, oh, yeah. you know, the that? little massager, massage oh, gun, yeah, yeah. and then a little vibrating ball. Those are, I do that and I foam roll. And yeah, the bike is just something, I have a hard time with the treadmill too, but the mm. bike, I just, I don't know if it was just, it's just my knees, I'm not used to it, or the bikes I used had such thin seats, it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not the most comfortable things. I prefer a proper spinning bike rather than the bike I use today. But um, I don't know where they hide the spinning bikes in my gym. They have them away in a cupboard somewhere. I couldn't find them. Oh, I was about to say, I figured those would be super popular. Yeah, I think they keep them for classes. And the classes are always fully booked. Okay. Well, outside of that, have you had any good lunches lately? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good segue. Yeah, so I went I went for a wee lunch with a former On the Path guest, Paul Bullion, who plays Lambert in series two of Witcher Netflix. And yeah, it was lovely. I was just in London. I was down visiting my dad and on the way back up, had an hour or two to kill in London. So we went for food and a coffee and he was just super lovely and talked about all sorts of things, Witcher and non-Witcher and yeah, he said to say hello. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's when I saw that I was like, "Oh, that's great!" And then I was like, "He got to meet you in person before I got to." I know that's so <laughs> funny, isn't it? <laughs> it was funny too because when you put the picture up there, I, it, you put it overnight, so it's right when I wake up. So as usual, yeah. I'm just like, you know, I look at the picture and I'm like, "Is that a Photoshop picture she did to like repost about our interview?" <laughs> and then I slowly saw, I was like, oh, they had lunch? Wait, what? And I got so confused. Yeah, because I didn't tell you. I was going. No. Yeah, well, that was the thing, too. I looked at it, and I'm like, wait, did she? And, of course, instantly I think, oh, man, did she tell me that? Did I forget? <laughs> you know, I always got to make it about me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I purposely didn't tell anyone just because I thought it would be funny to just drop the photo and see what people thought. And, like, two or three people were like, oh, yeah, great Photoshop. <laughs> well, didn't he comment about it? Like he did. Joke? It was so funny because um, our another former guest, Basic Wit Girl, wrote a comment something like, "Are you kidding me?" And I just said, "Yeah, haters will say it's Photoshop." And then Paul just replied saying, "Yeah, yeah, this is Photoshop." <laughs> I was like, "For fuck's sake!" <laughs> did he ever say just kidding or? 
He put a laughing face, so it oh, can be okay. interpreted as you wish, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, we're, we're setting the record straight. It was not photoshops. No, it was real life. While he did get to meet you, we should be meeting in July at yeah. TwitchCon. I'm so excited. It's about five, six weeks away now. See, I'm kind of torn because I'm obviously excited about it, but at the same mm -hmm. time, I'm now off for the summer. Yeah. And so I have six weeks of nothing. I know. I'm kind of jealous, but at the same time, I know what you mean. I'm super busy this month, so it's going to fly over for me. Yeah. And like I said, I'm one of those, I can keep myself busy. I'm not yeah. one of those people that are just like, man, I couldn't imagine retiring. I'd have nothing. I'm like, no, I could retire, <laughs> quote, not work and be perfectly fine. Have plenty But to yeah, do. if anybody, any listeners out there, if we haven't already heard from you, if you are going to be in Amsterdam at TwitchCon in July, uh, let us know because- you know, that's when there's already, I mean, I swear it's like two dozen people off the top of my head. Yeah. I can think of that going to meet or going to try to meet. And it's just going to be what I imagine just absolutely whirlwind. It's going to be carnage because we've got like, we both arrive Thursday morning, right? And then we've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You've got Sunday night as well, but it's really, it's three full days three or four full days and there's lots of Gwent people going which is exciting lots of people that have guested on on the path before so that'll be so fun uh to meet them but we're gonna have to ha like have it strictly scheduled <laughs> if we want to meet everyone and that's kind of where I'm assuming with especially the Gwent side I'm assuming there's going to be some night or something where it's like hey everybody meet up here like yeah. this will be something, whether it be a pub, a bar, whatever it is, or a whatever, something like that. And it's going to be all going to be there. And that way you can kind of just like mingle. Hey, 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 I've talked to you for three, four years. And we're just yeah. now actually, you know, meeting face to face. Because that's the one thing, too, about both of us streaming and now both of us podcasting is so many people have heard our voices. They've mm -hmm. seen our faces, but it's the face to face thing that's going to be interesting because to me, it's always like a, a height thing. Like you see yeah. somebody and you think, <laughs> oh, they're probably this and they could either be really tall or they could be really short. Yeah. And just something like to actually see somebody in person, I think is going to be like the most interesting thing. Cause it's almost become, and some of them in a weird way, it's like celebrities mm -hmm. where you've seen them so often, you know, you've been in their homes, basically. You feel you like know you know so much them. about them. Yeah. You know so much about them. And then they're in person. It's just like, that's a real person. Cause that's mm -hmm. what I had when coaching college basketball, we play these big name teams. And like we played at Kentucky and Kentucky's head coach is John Calipari, a mm -hmm. coach who is larger than life, like a legend, but he's in tons of commercials. His face is everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. And so you know, one of the things just like, Oh my God, we're going to seek. And I see him over there before the game. And I'm like, that's a regular person. He's it's so weird. Like isn't maybe it? five ten. Like, I don't even think he's six feet tall, six foot yeah. tall. And then in the handshake line, you go, you look at him, you shake his hand and, you know, I'm a bit taller than him. I'm just like, oh, this is a guy that is larger than life, mm -hmm. but he is a flesh and blood person like everybody else. Yeah. I remember feeling like that. This is such a weird example. But when I was younger, I went to see Avril Lavigne in concert and I was obsessed with Avril Lavigne at the time. And me and my friend, I was probably about, but I was still pretty, you know, really tall. Um, and I just remember seeing her and thinking she is tiny, like she's a small person. And 
you, you exactly you think they're like larger than life you think they're going to look at them and be like, oh, Avril Lavigne. like they're gonna have like a glow or a shine yeah. around them and she's just a normal very small person and she's amazing and i loved her and i still love her um but it was kind of like a real realization moment where you're just like they are actually just normal people as well <laughs> they are but then again like they're not yeah <laughs> like they are it's that and that's the thing too it'd be one of those most interesting things would be on their own time like not yeah. when a camera's in front of them and like calipari not when it's on a basketball floor but mm -hmm. just at his home or out not even out to lunch or dinner because someone like him everyone knows who he is and everyone's going to mm -hmm. be up to him especially in kentucky you know in lexington yeah. yeah counting well i'm not counting down the days but i'm excited to go but it is yeah. kind of going to be my end of summer but that's going to be a blast and we will talk about that more obviously as we get closer to that date. If you have not rated or reviewed us yet, this is the time of the podcast where I beg you and ask <laughs> you to do it. Uh, please give a five-star review. If you review it on Apple Podcasts, and I guess if you're in America or maybe Europe or England or something like that, we can see it. I know some people have said outside of the country in Asia that they left a rating and review, but we couldn't see it. So maybe we can only see ones that are maybe primarily English-based or something. I have no idea. But please rate yeah. and review. And if you do it and we don't see it, you can send it to us and we will gladly read it all. Please do it on Apple and Spotify as well. It helps with the searches. You know, eventually people put in Witcher Podcasts. It'll be towards the top. It might already be there. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think it's different for different people because every time I'm on somebody's phone now, I look. I just I just say just ah. search um just search Witcher podcast on Spotify and sometimes it comes up like second and sometimes it comes up seventh or eighth. Interesting. So I guess I guess it depends. They must have some kind of algorithm. Okay. Well, again, those ratings and those reviews really help push that to the top for everybody. Yeah. This is this is kind of my fake spoiler warning. Anything <laughs> mentioned in the games, like well, I mean, I thought about it last time. We there was a big time, if you want to call it, it's not a. Actually, it was. It was kind of big-time book spoiler and a big-time yeah. season three spoiler, but Dijkstra mentioned it. He mentioned exactly what happened and where it did happen, and I put that clip in there. So stuff like that will be in here. So if you've played this game, it has already been spoiled for you. If you've forgotten <laughs> about it and we remind you, that's on you. So anything mentioned, we will talk about it. And obviously, someone like Dijkstra plays a key role in today's mission again and a key role in the series. So we are here today for Count Reuven's treasure. And Lucy, go ahead and take us away. Yeah, so Count Reuven's treasure, like you said, in this quest, we have Sigi Reuven or Dijkstra, as I kind of know him better, um, who is one of the big four underworld gang leaders of Novigrad. And he has asked for our help to track down his stolen treasure. Uh, so this quest is activated kind of in the middle of the last quest that we spoke about, uh, Get Junior. Um, and it's once we ask Dijkstra about Dandelion after the big towel fight with the assassins in the bathhouse. I've just said that and now I realize it sounds like you've had a fight with towels. You know, like you said, like in towels, I mean. <laughs> this was the dong fight. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so I think we mentioned last time about the gigolo yes. line. Okay, so Dijkstra is upset with Dandelion as he used paired couplets and says mm -hmm. he has no time for your gigolo boyfriend. Just over the moon with Dijkstra. He's <laughs> just re-watching this. You know, I put a tweet out about it. He's just so incredibly, I don't even know if it's perfect because the more I look into this and the more I think about the Dijkstra character from the books, this is just almost an exaggerated Dijkstra. Yeah. And I might have to go back and truly reread all of it because this is just, 
it is sarcasm off the charts. And it's funny because he gets onto Geralt for being sarcastic and then Geralt gets onto him for being sarcastic. And I'm like, did the writers just get carried away with these great lines and do it? But it's just, he's just incredible. And it's recency bias because we're going over right now. He's my favorite character in The Witcher 3. Really? Every time he's on the screen, it's almost like we talked about with Tywin in Game of Thrones, this TV show. Every time he's on screen, I perk up and I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. This is not going to be a bad line delivery. It's not going to be boring because this actor is going to kill it. Yeah, the back and forth between him and Geralt throughout this whole quest is just insane. And even Triss calls them out on it at one point later. I'm just spoiled. We're going to see Triss again. Um, but she goes, am I just going to have to sit here and listen to your battle of wits or can we get on with it? And it's just so funny because that's exactly what I was thinking in that moment, Triss. <laughs> and then Dijkstra calls them out and it's just, okay, these three are perfect. So Richard Hawley is the actor who portrays Dijkstra. And when I was hearing... I'm like, that sounds familiar. Oh. And so I had to look up who he did, what else he's done. He's done. He did Deekster in this game, and he did two other voices in, in The, the Witcher 3. Yeah. Oh. You want to wager a guess? These are primarily voiced characters. They are, you can't call them main characters because, you know, there's not, there's really only those three. But they it's are not just big, like a random NPC. No, no. They are named big time characters. Especially in Nova maybe, there's a oh, hint. There's okay, a big hint. Okay, I was gonna say the Bloody Baron, but maybe not if you're gonna say no. No, it's not the Bloody Baron. So it, it you want to, you're gonna guess? I'm gonna guess maybe one of the other big four. It is. Which one? You know, it's not Cleaver. I know it's not Cleaver. So is it that the kind of King of Beggars? It is. Yes. <gasps> Good job. Nice How deduction interesting. there. He voices Francis Bedlam, and he mm -hmm. also voices. And this is the name that kind of caused me to go look it up. He's Menga. Is he? He's just doing all of these guys against each other. That's they so good. I know. And they had Menga. When Menga was speaking later on in this mission, I heard that. I'm like, that is that something voice. That's not just generic one. And I looked it up and it was those three. I was like, dang. But yeah, Richard Hawley from Yorkshire. Wow. So shout out to Huddersfield. There we go. <laughs> Did they get promoted? Did they lose? <laughs> I think, oh, I forgot to check. Like, uh, someone I know. That he used to coach with in college. He's from Huddersfield. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of had that like, oh, how was Huddersfield? Because they were in the Premier League at how the time. How are they doing, yeah. And now they kind of, okay, I need to, I need to check on that. I have but yeah, no Dijkstra, idea. Dijkstra is, to me, as good as it gets in the games. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that Okay, they did all those voices. I was thinking when I was going through this as well, like how long it must take for a voice actor to go through. I was thinking about Doug Cockle and how long he must have been in the booth for doing this entire game. But then imagine you're doing three people's voices and for the whole, this whole quest, he must've been in the booth for months. That would be a good question to ask is like how much time, because I would want to know that someone like Doug Coggle who has, oh my God, tens of thousands of lines of whatever yeah. it is that he's saying, how many hours in a day is it? And mm -hmm. then how many days is it? Is it like a year's you know, worth of work or is it like, yeah. I don't and know. that's not, it's one thing if it's your natural voice. But yeah. he obviously has to get that growl and like, that's not natural. That's no. something you'd have to build up and could be straining. So I just wonder if he's just slamming like lemon tea <laughs> while he's doing this. Cause I can just imagine, man, that would just be very, very tiring on those vocal cords. So Dijkstra leads us down through a hidden passage into a cellar beneath the bathhouse where we meet Bart the troll, lovely Bart. 
So De- so Bar- yeah, like I said, Bart's a rock troll and Dijkstra won Bart from a merchant in a card game and brought him to Novigrad to protect the treasure in the cellar. And trolls were often tasked with roles like this because they are fiercely loyal, huge and have endless stamina and brute physical strength. But they were also not intelligent enough to ever question the master or the intentions. So the perfect uh, little bodyguard for Dijkstra. And Bart, oh man, I love these rock trolls. It's so funny. It is, and he's so sad. Bart bad, and the Bart yeah. lose chore fun. Oh, I know, and he's just like banging his head up against the wall because he feels so guilty and responsible for the for the treasure going missing. And Dijkstra at times just like, oh, stiff upper lip, and other ones like, shut up, dimwit, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes he seems almost like sympathetic towards him, and then he's just an asshole again. <laughs> just he didn't have time for it. Now I'm guessing chore fun is for Chun, right? What's fortune? Fortune. He lost his fortune. Oh, fortune. Okay, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, yeah, fortune. Yeah, I didn't not know fortune. <laughs> fortune. <laughs> fortune. Uh, fortune. <laughs> <laughs> there's me you, you lose your fortune over here <laughs> you're like uh what fortune there you go fortune. yeah so bart lost his chore fun my god then boom chore fun go translating into common someone fucking made up with nearly 20 tons of my gold and all the lighter stuff and you will help me get it back and i look this up 20 tons of gold Dijkstra says was stolen. So in 2019, a very, very quick non-checked Google search, <laughs> a f- ton of gold in 2019 was worth $46 million. <laughs> so this oh is basically, God. this is basically $900 million. Oh my like just God. Under a billion dollars being taken. And this is Witcher. Econ- what? There's 20 <laughs> tons of wild. gold that one person has. What is it? What is this economy here? What is this Novogradian economy? <laughs> and he's just got her Bart protecting it. <laughs> he's got a rock troll in a basement protecting 20, bi- 20. Okay. I, I gotta know because we don't ever know where this comes from. It's just, hey, Dietrich, he has it. What, what's uh, going on? <laughs> what's going on? I mean, we kind of know kind of what's going on much, 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 much later. Okay, so Dijkstra points us towards this huge hole in the brick wall between the vaults and the sewers, and Bart says this was caused by a boom. Dijkstra thought that the vault was going to be safe from the sewers because the sewers are filled with a highly toxic gas from spores of pops mold, and one whiff of this gas would kill any human instantly, but not a troll, thankfully. So Bart was safe. Dijkstra gives us some bottles of antidote so we can travel through the sewers safely. This is so good. I'm going to have so many clips to put in. Yeah. <laughs> when Geralt points to that monstrous hole in the wall and goes, oh, I'm assuming they came in through there. Yeah. <laughs> just Dijkstra just, oh yeah, it's just a smart ass Dijkstra comes out and goes, any other brilliant deductions you want confirmed? Take it the thieves got in through the hole behind you. You're a regular fucking master sleuth. Any other brilliant deductions you want confirmed? The year, maybe? bloody name of redania's king this is i'm gonna try to judge the show the netflix show on its own i'm still trying to do it i really am but it's so hard when this is the first visual representation we get of dijkstra like this is just so funny and like i said it's almost an exaggerated version of his book character Mm -hmm. but it's just it's so great and anytime that somebody is sassy to Geralt, which is quite often 
Hmm. I'm I'm here for it. And I, Dijkstra just does not suffer fools. He's my hero. I've gushed He's about so him, but good. I can't stop it. Yeah, I think a bit later on the quest as well, he talks about um, alchemy and stuff and he's just so clever as well. And yeah, it would be, I think in the Netflix show, he's obviously very cunning and he's, you know, um, getting everyone to figure out his business for him. But it would be cool to see him in some more funny yeah. instances as well. And I hope we do get that. It will be good if we see him with Gerald, I think. He's definitely very cunning in the show. He seems threatening. Like yeah. very, uh, there's a very under layer of threat that kind of like when he was visiting Eretuza, mm -hmm. that he was just very coy, playing everything very cool. That yeah, the smart ass, just I am so much smarter than everybody else in this room. I can't stand it. Type of Dijkstra is what I like because it's just it's here when he's bossing people around, and Geralt can eventually say, "Hey, I'm not an errand boy. Don't <laughs> send me. Don't you just can't send me to places." And he's like, "I'm sorry. I got used to bossing people around." It just comes with the, you know, the territory there. It's just, God, it's, I'm, I'm going to stop gushing about it eventually, but not during this mission, I don't think. <laughs> no, and I love the bit where he's um, ordering Geralt around in the sewers and then he gives Geralt shit saying, you're not exactly bursting with enthusiasm. <laughs> and Geralt just blames it on his Witcher mutation saying that he, they stripped him of his emotions when he'd be jumping for joy otherwise. <laughs> And, and Dix is just like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like, we know. It's just, that, that's your excuse. And Geralt just, yeah. that's his card that he pulls out anytime he doesn't want to do it. Anytime someone calls him out about not caring or being mm -hmm. no energy. Uh, you know, the Witcher mutations. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's a Trump card right there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so once we've investigated the site of the explosion, Geralt decides the blast must have come from a bomb rather than any magic. But all the pieces of the bomb must have been picked up by the current of the sewers. Uh, so now we take our, one of our antidotes and travel downstream in the sewer to explore. The antidotes last about six minutes and Dijkstra gives you three. So there's plenty of time. Um, you have to fight a lot of drowners and then you find another piece of the bomb, which smells like wyvern oil and caramel or caramel. There you we go. Take this <laughs> so we take it back to Dijkstra. When Geralt asks about Happen, his eunuch advisor, servant, if you want to call it that, and he says, nah, his loyalty is beyond question. Witchers know their monsters. Spies know their men. Yeah. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, that's the quote of the episode right now. And in my mind, instantly it went, well, I guess you didn't really know your women because of Philippa and what we talked about, what she did. And like right off the bat, Geralt instantly yeah. said something about, yeah, didn't Philippa try to kill you? He's mm -hmm. like, ah, well, you know, shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> totally they mentioned that one off. Yes. And they mentioned Philip. I'm like, that, oh my God, that is just dead on because of dorks like me will instantly think about Dijkstra got fooled by Philippa and yeah. almost died because of it. And they threw that in there. And then it almost hardened Dijkstra in this characterization because, yeah, he's never going to be fooled like that again. Yeah. Absolutely but that not. right there, right now, that is my quote of the episode. So Dijkstra and Geralt chat and decide the bomb must have been dropped down a, dr a drain pipe, sorry, a drain pipe from within the bathhouse. So they go to investigate the baths for any clues. So Geralt finds a bath which contains an oily-like substance and also a silver lid that matches the bomb part that he found in the sewer, which seems a little bit reckless and nobody's found this yet. <laughs> it's just lying around on the ground. Yeah. So they decide this is a bath it's been planted in and Happen the eunuch brings us the guest book to see who used the bath on the day of the break-in. And after examining the guest list, Dijkstra notices 
the name of someone who had supposedly been dead for a year. And this is Margrave Henkel. And the death of Margrave had been kept quiet by his family because he had died in a brothel decked out in leather lingerie. So they had a pretty low-key funeral for him. And Dijkstra tells us to go and look in Henkel's home for clues as to who the imposter could be. Yeah, we'd forgotten to mention in the pre- previous episode when they the Fifty Shades of Grey reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anastasia and Christian. And so when this kind of came up there about this kind of, I don't know if you want to call it like S&M kind of thing, it kind of yeah. reminded, oh, yeah, yeah, we did forget to talk about that Fifty Shades of Grey reference thrown in. And that is one thing that it didn't seem a lot, this mission, it didn't seem there were a lot of references thrown in, but I've kind of been replaying somewhat, not too much blood and wine. And it's like, there are so many references to things, to just other forms of medium in there. It is just all the time. And so that's going to be something when we get to that, that's going to take a long, Mm -hmm. a long while to get there. Just talking about, oh yeah, this reference is this. Oh yeah, this reference is that. And that'll be something like, good again with you get back uh, Pavel on because he said, oh, yeah, you know, he, yeah. yeah, he mentioned, you know, having back on because by that time it was around, he started working at CDPR. So that'll be good to kind of get in with that. And just all of these these dropped references in there just kind of add to, I guess, the entertainment, you can call it. They do. Yeah. Reminds me of Shrek 2. Shrek 2 has so many references in it. That's that's kind of like Shrek's thing. Yes. It just beats you over the head with these. And (laughs) it's funny because I did. I just watched Shrek 2 and that came out in 04, I believe. Okay. I think it came out in 04. And there 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 are references to that that would have been so old. I'm like, that's from like the, the white Bronco, the OJ reference. Right. I'm like, okay, well, that was like 10 years old then. And the Hawaii 5.0 theme that the guy's playing. I'm like, who are these these references for like all the, the boomers at the time that would have done it and people like me? So yeah, that's just Shrek to oh and oh, that's right. The new Puss and Boots, Puss and Boots, the new Puss and Boots movie coming out is mm-hmm. called The Last Wish. I know they're really because remember, like, how many times have we like noted or everyone yeah, has kind of noted yeah. Shrek the Witcher? references or links and now they're just like wait we're just gonna make it really obvious it's called yes, the last wish. This shrek is Geralt, donkey is yaskier dandelion yeah. so i'm <laughs> i'm gonna go to the theater when that movie comes out with a notepad and just i'm gonna be just eagle-eyeing everything yeah. for witcher references to see <laughs> what all goes in there okay yeah so we go to henkel's home and it's completely boarded up you have to arge your way in and um it's pretty beat up inside and you can loot around and take whatever you want but the thing that you're looking for is a bottle with a mysterious note and the note is kind of like a riddle um and it says to put the bottle away where your birth year is and Geralt kind of says to himself oh this could be Siri this could be Dandelion and I'm not sure if it's actually confirmed in the quest who it whose birth year it's referring to or if it's the one i didn't know if it was the wine's birth year but you have to put it into the slot labeled 1251 to open up this secret room okay yeah 1251 would not be that wouldn't be any of them i don't think yeah. no it can't well it can't be dandelion because dandelion's not 21 years old or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. and neither is siri because i think siri in the games you talk about i think siri's 19 right because we spoke about Radovid being like 17. I think Siri's like 19. And I don't think, I can't ever remember in the games if they mention 
Dandelion's age, but in the books, he's in his 40s. So yeah, I, I, I watched through the quest today and I, I don't think he ever says exactly whose birth year it was, but the answer is 1251. So you put the bottle into the 1251 slot and you hear a secret door open. And you go to search the room and you kind of find a lot of evidence of the planning of the heist. And the most notable piece of evidence is the letter, which reveals that Siri was involved in the heist, Dudu the Doppler helped her, and that Caleb Menga was after Dandelion. And then we hear some footsteps downstairs and head down to find Dijkstra and Triss. Dijkstra very clearly not trusting Geralt no. or <laughs> not, and then brings in some backup, Triss. I guess that's just a good reason to have her there. And mm -hmm. Dijkstra says, pardon my Beauslerois. Speaking of which, and pardon my Beauslerois, have you found out who fucking nicked my gold? The greatest thing about this is DJ has information. I call him DJ. That's Dijkstra. So DJ Dijkstra has information on Triss and Geralt, like how they were together. But everyone might know mm -hmm. that. How they left a week before Loch Muin. Calls them lovebirds <laughs> and just that awkwardness. And she's like, wait, wait, how do you know that? Which you can ask Dijkstra like 17 times. How do you know that before it's very clear? He knows things. He knows everything. He <laughs> leaves him at that. He's just like, okay, well, I've made this awkward for you too. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And I loved that quote where he says, pardon my Bosler was. Because I, I didn't understand it at first. I was like, why is he saying that? And then I was like, oh, it's because it's like their version of saying part of my French. Yeah, exactly. And I, at first I was like, why is he saying that? I don't get it. But yeah, I loved it when I figured when I when that clicked in my head. I thought that's so funny. The only thing I can think of is he's being a gentleman because he's never mm -hmm. stopped him from cussing before. And it's maybe Triss is there. So he doesn't want to drop yeah. an F-bomb like he does. Possibly. Yeah. The gentleman Dijkstra, who has now enlisted Triss to help out. Because they have a common enemy, I guess you can say, in Menga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we tell Dijkstra that it is Menga who's off uh, with the treasure. And when asked how we know this, we can either say it doesn't matter how we know, or we can choose to lie to him and tell him that Henkel told us this, and he's alive and well, and he faked his own death to avoid his creditors. But uh, Dijkstra quickly calls us out for bullshit here, and Geralt fesses up. We didn't actually see Henkel, but Menga does have the treasure. Uh, so Dijkstra tells us that Geralt and Trish should head to the witch hunter's barracks to find Menga. And like you say, he sort of teases at their past relationship quite a bit. And there's a couple of bits of dialogue that you can choose to flirt with Trish a little bit if you want to romance her later. You can kind of shut down his romance remarks pretty bluntly, which upsets Triss, or you can sort of go along with it. And I don't know if it, you know, if you shut it down, I don't think it stops you from romancing her later on, but it kind of fleshes out a little bit if you do want to romance her later on. One thing about this, you can't tell Dijkstra the truth. You can't just be open with him, right? Because yeah. you either lie to him, or which he calls you out immediately, or you say, oh, it doesn't matter. And he gets pissed either way. Yeah, <laughs> like, he does. Yeah, You can't just tell him exactly what it is. And I don't know. I just, I didn't really like that because yeah. I kind of would have liked to have had that chance to be like, look, we know how smart this guy is. We, we got no reason to lie to him or be coy. I mean, I know we do because Dandelion's our friend and Dandelion <laughs> is like stole from Dijkstra. So I understand that. But I would have liked the option to just be open and tell the truth. Yeah. And just say like, look, we're looking for a Siri. Da, 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 da. We know this has happened. And 
probably would have been able to come to some kind of arrangement with it and we would have been able to talk our way out of it at the end or dandelion would have been able to talk his way out of it at the end anyway but yeah because a few of the like playthrough guides i was reading said oh you can tell the truth or lie and i was like no you can't tell the truth there's no point in which you mention siri or doo or that dandelion might have done the heist <laughs> yeah that's the main thing is obviously if you say yeah dandelion was involved in it you know, teacher will be like, well, he's a dead man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like you said there, at the end, you can be, or after this, you can be like, okay, look, I'm going to find your treasure. I'm going to find this out. In return, you're going to pardon, if you will, or spare Dandelion. And yeah. then you, then Dijkstra, again, the ultimate pragmatist, could have been like, okay, fine. Like, that's a believable, that's believable for his character. Well, I'm sure he would have enlisted us to help him with something else in return. And then we could have had another quest. <laughs> Some, yeah, there might be somewhere in return where we do help Dijkstra yeah. in a quest <laughs> later on. There's always something. So part three of this quest is where we head to the barracks. So we meet Triss at the Eternal Fire Shrine at midnight. And she decides that the easiest way to get into the barracks is going to be by approaching the gate with Triss shackled up as a prisoner, as it's going to be impossible to break into the heavily guarded fortress without raising the alarm and Menga getting away before they have a chance to get to him. Uh, so the plan is to tell Menga we have information on the lodge and Philippa, who he hates the most. As we meet Triss, it is time for my new line of the episode. Oh, yeah. Where she, she pulls out the shackles and <laughs> you can basically choose, you know, shack oh, here and now. Do you want to do this with all these people here? <laughs> and Triss is just, shackles do have uses outside the bedroom, Geralt. <laughs> And Geralt, actually, they give him this, like, wry smile that Tiny just, little, like, a yeah. smirk that forms right as she says that. I'm like, okay, new line of the episode. So, yeah, this is where the quest kind of takes, there's multiple different paths you can take with this quest now. And it's depending on how you kind of want to approach it, I guess. Um, so we approach with the guards and we've got Triss in the shackles. And Geralt is kind of pretending that he's captured her for a reward. And the guards let them in straight away. During the interaction with the guards, if you choose to defend Triss in any way, you're going to break out in a fight immediately, and you're going to have to kill all of the guards. Um, and you can there's there's multiple points of dialogue, and at every point there is an option where you can basically just blow the cover, like forget about the plan, and just go in with swords, and Triss will help you, of course. You can also try to use Axie. And yeah. if, you, if you use Axie, those witch hunters know about that. And they're like, oh, he's a witch. And then you have yeah. to fight everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then Triss gets pretty annoyed at you if you try and do that as well. Um, it, is, it is funny, though. Instantly, you can be like, I had enough of this. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. do anything. Like, I know. <laughs> by keeping your answers polite throughout the conversation, uh, you'll keep your cover and the guards lead you up to Menga's office. And at this point, this is where they take Triss away to be tortured. And Triss did mention before we came in to... Um, the barracks that she kind of was aware that this was going to happen and she was like don't worry I can take it just let them do it it'll hurt a little bit but it'll be fine like series more important you know being very selfless so we go in and speak with Menga and it gets pretty gruesome and we can hear Tris being tortured in the room next door and again there's multiple paths that the conversation can take and many of which will just lead to a fight if you don't pick the correct piece of dialogue do you remember what you did on your first playthrough? Did you did you sit through this? I think I sat through it for a little, but I, yeah. part of me wants to think I was like, no, she said she could handle it. I want to see what happens. Yeah. So I don't really remember what I did, 
But on the last playthrough, I sat through it all. Yeah, and you I'm get to hear it. Same. They do the this little piggy, which is mm -hmm. do y'all have that over there? Is that a yeah. common thing? Okay, this little piggy went to this market, this little piggy, blah, blah, blah. But they're doing it ripping out her fingernails. It's horrendous. It goes on, and while that's happening, and it's not happening in the background of while you're talking, you hear, oh, listen to this little piggy over here. And then they're just looking at each other, and Geralt and Manga are just staring. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this is kind of awkward. And you can kind of see it on his face. And at this point, I kind of thought, okay, Manga knows. Yeah. Like, he knows what, like, he's just toying with Geralt. He wants Geralt to squirm, he wants him to, you know, play that card. But he never really, he never does. If you see it all the way through, he, you know, they eventually go in there. And, but at the beginning, when you get in there, a couple of things stood out to me. The first one was they instantly take Tristan to be tortured and they don't show, they don't take her to Manga. Like, no, he's just like, yeah. hey, what's going on in there? Oh, that's Tris Marigold. Oh, is that her? I'm like, wouldn't you want to see her? And if you were at the door and this witcher brings up Tris, one of the most, like literally probably the second most wanted person outside of Philippa, wouldn't you mm -hmm. want to be the guard or somebody be like, look, Menga, we got we it. Find it her, yeah. No, they just take her right in there and start torturing her. Yeah, that's it interesting. I hadn't thought of that, actually. Yeah. And the other one is you have to, Geralt has to drink from a silver cup. And yeah. it's because Dopplers and he says many have come in there and turned to rancid jelly. And I'm like, there's that many Dopplers that are mm. pretending to be bounty hunters that are taking people in there. Like how many Dopplers are there in Novigrad? Mm -hmm. I guess not as many anymore. No. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well, because um, yeah, there's that moment where Geralt takes and Geralt says, you must not trust me very much because you've tested me with a silver cup. And then, yeah, because I thought there was not very many Dopplers at all, because there was the one at the very beginning of Novigrad where we see him getting burned to the stake, and then we know that Dudu's in hiding. I wasn't sure if they were like a very common thing or not. No, they're not they... supposed to be. There's a side quest where we run into one that we will talk about for sure. Oh, yeah. When, when we get to the side quest, that is a direct call out to the short story Eternal Flame. Mm. And yeah, it's just, I mean, I know it's the games. They have to put in more monsters. They have to put in more species like this. But that was just, yeah, an interesting thing that it's seems more than several have come in and not understood that it was a silver child. I don't know. Yeah. It, could be manga, it could be manga just bullshitting, you know? Well, yeah, true. He could just be uh, exaggerating it a little bit. Um, so if you manage to sit through the entire conversation without getting into a fight, Menga reveals that Dandelion is being held in a dungeon beneath Temple Isle and that he planned for him to be executed in Oxenfurt soon. Uh, Menga will then suggest going next door to check on Triss as things have gone awfully quiet. Uh, we enter to find that Triss has killed the guards and then she kills Menga with a knife through the throat. And we take a vault key from Menga's body, which Triss tells us to give to Dijkstra. Triss has killed Menga and we tell her, or sorry, Geralt tells her, you were a little bit soon with that because we actually need Menga to get Dandelion out of this dungeon. Um, so Geralt suggests reviving Menga and Triss is kind of offended almost and she responds that she would never sink that low to practice dark magic, uh, which is an interesting point to remember for later in the game. Yeah she, yeah, she says, I can't do black magic or necromancy. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that might, that might be pre-shade. <laughs> <laughs> being thrown yeah, appreciate yeah. Uh, appreciate being thrown of something that might come back mm -hmm. and when you're being interrogated by menga 
Menga asked Gerald, hey, why are you doing this? Like, even he knows, I think there's a history between mm-hmm. those two. Everybody knows everything about Gerald. He is the most famous person. And I know it's because of Dandelion's ballads and all that. Yeah. But so many people know this stuff about Geralt. And I'm just, I guess the, the head of the Eternal Fire would know about this most famous Witcher, but he knows Triss and Geralt were together. Mm-hmm. And there's actually an option that you can choose where it says, Triss betrayed me first used me as a pawn in the lodges game and she is getting what she deserves and i'm just Ooh. yes <laughs> i will say this too tris is kind of growing on me i know yeah it, going back through all of this stuff people are going to say oh you're this oh you're this it's like no things can change and i can kind of be in the moment i think it's tris's the voice actor yeah she just does a good job of it very charismatic just plays that character so well. She feels so young. She feels kind of naive. And like you mentioned before, her is now, she's now being very selfless, which is a drastic change from the books where she was very selfish, if you will, in her own gains and what she wanted, like using Geralt and Siri in the Lodges game. And mm-hmm. another just great, great thing to put in by the writers here that just hit so close and it made that torture a little easier once yeah. this line came in. <laughs> I think on my first playthrough, I fought everyone from the get go. So I just kind of, I didn't, I missed all of this cool dialogue. And then on my second playthrough, I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to, you know, I didn't like sitting through the torture at all, even though I'm not a big Triss fan. Um, but the scene where she kills Menga made me love her. I thought that's so badass. And I hate that it's optional because it made me, you know, I, it was so cool seeing her actually stand up and get involved. And I don't know, it made me love her so much more in the second playthrough um i'm still you know if we're talking about yen tris i'm still always going to be yen but it made me like her character a lot more seeing her go through all that i was so shocked that this is how manga died because they're setting him up he's he's going to be a boss or he's going to be a big type fight or something you know kind of in the same way that we were looking for horse and junior but that wasn't a boss fight either that was a (laughs) cutscene kill that we either got to choose or not and so i kind of liked that this threw me off because once that happens, you're just like, okay, shit's going to hit the fan and this is going to be a boss fight. And Manga's going to be tough because he's a, a top witch hunter. He knows how to kind of maybe fight against magic and use that thing or use that stuff. And just nope, Triss has had enough. She's got her <laughs> fingernails ripped out and she just knifes him straight through the throat. Yeah, she just goes, did he say where Dandelion is? And Garrett goes, yep, but. And then she just goes, stop. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Yeah, she, uh, she, she's had enough. We found Triss's torture tipping point. But like we said, since Menga is the only one who can actually order Dandelion's release, Triss suggests finding Dudu uh, to impersonate him. I don't know if that's the right word for Doppler, impersonate. Take on his form as such. Yeah, I think imp- imp- shapeshifts, but imp- impersonate would be because, I mean, basically he kind of becomes them. And that's another thing too, and we'll kind of talk about it with that side mission, but we already talked about Dudu and all that. It's not just that they impersonate the person that they look like them. Once they become them, they can think like them. They know their oh. movement, which is why in that, I think I mentioned this before already, in Eternal Flame, one of the short stories, Geralt fights a Doppler and that Doppler turns into Geralt. You know what, fuck oh. it, we'll just say it. This is the side mission. The side mission in this is <laughs> Geralt chases a Doppler and the Doppler turns into Geralt. And in the game, you can like defeat Geralt, but in the books, it's exact. It's mirrored. It's the same. And the Doppler's like, look, you can't beat me. I am you. 
Like I know we are moves, even right yeah. now. So it's not just act like him. They know their thoughts. They know everything. So it's really, really kind of creepy in that sense. And it goes to show that Dopplers aren't bad. And like, that's a big thing in the show. In the show, they seem to be kind of all bad. Like they're evil, or at least they have some evil Dopplers. In the games, there does not ever appear to be an evil Doppler, which as you can see here, they could be really bad because someone can just basically turn into Geralt, go to Vizima and just mm -hmm. start slaughtering people. And all of a sudden, Geralt of Rivia is slaughtering people wholesale mm -hmm. in there. I actually did this, the Witcher D&D campaign that I DM'd and ran. That was actually a plot point where a Doppler, a Doppler turned into one of the player characters and mm -hmm. like was like killing people and doing things. And so all of a sudden the, the PCs get arrested and they're just like, what the fuck did we do? And the guy's like, you, you were killing people, dude, this, you stole all this. And they're just like, no, I didn't. And you're like, okay, well, we'll see. We'll keep you overnight in prison and we'll see what happens. And then what happens is that night, that person committed another crime, but yeah. they were in prison. So then oh. that got them out and then they had to find out who was doing it. Oh, that's so cool. I guess that would make Doppler so difficult to figure out as well if they're not just looking like the person. Because I think in series one of The Witcher Netflix, when Mausak is being impersonated by the Doppler, he's he kind of doesn't really remember what Siri's talking about. He doesn't have Mausak's memories. And also he's just acting like he's being really horrible and he's not got that kind of warm, affectionate nature towards Siri at all. So it's kind of like he doesn't remember everything. I mean, they had the reasoning, but that's one of those things that I would have liked to have seen it be the same way mm -hmm. and him actually act like Mausak so Siri would kind of buy into it. Yeah, because that's how she figured him out. Is that he, well, it was just, he didn't it was just so obvious. Stuff. Yeah, it was just yeah. obvious. He didn't remember things, but he was also he wasn't very warm. He was very no. much like, "Come on, we need to we need to do all that." It's like that's that's not Mausak. And I know yeah. they had to do it to where she would figure it out, but something like that, I wish it would have been a little bit more subtle, and maybe mm. Siri deduced something very small. You know, like he just did something and just like, wait a minute, he wouldn't have done that. I don't know. Very, very mm. nitpicky over season <laughs> one. But yeah, the Doppler is vastly, vastly different. That ends with Tris suggesting that we find Dudu to impersonate Menga. So going back a few steps, if you decide to fight at all in this uh, in this part of the quest, we end up killing Menga and the witch hunters before getting any information on where Dandelion is. Uh, Tris isn't very pleased with us for not sticking to the plan, and she tells us to search Menga's office for documents. The first uh, route down the quest, Tris will find the vault key. And in this version, Geralt finds a letter from a spy. So if you go through the whole conversation with Menga, um, like in our previous version of this, you see him burn a piece of paper, um, and that's this piece of paper that you find. Um, and it is a letter from a spy, and the spy will know more about Dandelion, and the letter describes how to signal the spy for a meeting. So regardless of your choices, the quest starts coming to a close, and Geralt and Triss leave the barracks and burn the whole place down, which I love. Triss was like, I just need to let off some steam. So she just burns the whole place down, and then you both go your separate ways and escape. But as you're leaving, a guy comes and grabs you and says, Dijkstra is looking for you. Um, so you head down to the docks to find Dijkstra. So if during your conversation with Menga, you ask him about the treasure, he will tell you that he has it secure in a Kuviri bank. So at this point, when we're down with Dijkstra at the docks, he says, what have you learned about the treasure? Da, da, da. So if you have that bit of the conversation with Menga, you tell Dijkstra 
this is where it is. It's in a bank in a Kuviri bank and you hand him the key to the vault and he's kind of happy. But if you didn't have that little section of conversation with Menga, because it's not it's not mandatory, you have to select it. You just give Dijkstra a key and that's all you give him. <laughs> and he's not very happy with you about it. Yeah, he's not very happy with you at all. It doesn't seem like he's very happy, period. He's just... No. Well, because he's not happy that his gold is in Kovir, which is a long way away. Mm-hmm. And he's also not happy because, again, he brings up that you either lied to him or didn't tell him. He's known that yeah. Dandelion was involved in it. So he pretty much threatens Geralt. And then Geralt says, don't threaten me. Something about pay. And then Dijkstra flips the switch. It's like, no, on the contrary, I'm quite happy with you. And you'll get your reward. It's like, oh, he uh, he, he kind of turned really quickly mm-hmm. there. Is His attitude turned. And the one thing that I had before was it's my final line of the episode. And when Tris lets off her steam and burns Mm -hmm. everything down, she just says, I want to go home. I want to take a bath and I want to get drunk. Yeah. I'm like, there you go. That's it. Trick myself into oblivion or something. That's it. I'm like, Tris, okay. Now I like you again. I'm sorry we tortured you. But yeah. <laughs> Chris, you will end with at least my line of the episode. Cause that's just, is that not just the thing to do? Take so a bath, relatable. get drunk. Yeah. And burn down a barrack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe not that part. I've never done that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> if I ever, yeah, really. If I ever burn down witch hunters barracks, <laughs> I will then absolutely go home, take a bath, and get drunk. So there's a tiny little extra part of this quest um at the end. If you didn't get the information out of Menga regarding where Dandelion is, you now have to go and um, meet up with this spy that was mentioned in the letter. So the spy arrives at the meeting place and he's expecting Menga. So he is not happy when he sees Triss and Geralt. Um, The guy's also just a bit of an asshole and Triss starts torturing him with fire magic. So he eventually talks and tells us that Dandelion's on Temple Isle and then Triss then again suggests that we need Dudu to impersonate Menga to get him out. And that's where, if you go down that route, that's where the quest concludes. In, the, in another playthrough, you have to go and see Priscilla to actually close this quest completely. And she basically just says, you need Dudu? Okay. And then they start formulating this plan to find Dudu. Triss again goes right into this torture and you can actually choose whether or not he killed if she kills him or not right yeah so you get a choice to kill him or wipe his memory which would be more cruel well i because i don't know when when you say wipe his memory because Geralt says oh don't worry it's not so bad if you choose that so i don't know if they wipe it like as in everything or just can she just choose this little section that she wants him to not remember or does it have to be like a full wipe well i think Geralt says that because obviously that's a reference to his memory yeah <laughs> being white which that's kind of weird for him to be like ah, it's not so bad it, it's, yeah, it's not just Geralt. joking like, about it <laughs> dude the last two games and everything you went through and all the shit you're going through with yen and everything is it not is yeah, it not, it's not, it's so not bad. that bad okay ever the <laughs> optimist so i don't know which is more cruel but I do like that if you, I know if you kill him, Geralt's basically saying like, oh, okay, it's okay. And she's like, no, like this just showed that I stooped to their level, that I'm mm. as bad as them. And actually this might be where she says, I want to go home, take a bath and get drunk. Now she I don't She says remember. it here. Yeah. I wasn't, sh- I wasn't sure if she also, because you don't always have to do this part of the quest. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if she maybe also said it at the, when she's burning the barracks uh, that's right she does say it here i want to go home bathe and get drunk 
And yeah, that's it, that's very good. Like characterization, it's very good self-realization, if you want to call yeah. it that. That she is, you know, burn all this thing down. She, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I don't think she regrets killing Menga like that. That he might deserve it, but you're not ending the witch hunter institution. You're just chopping off the head of what you could call a Hydra, and there will just be another Menga. And this guy right here is just some, he's a spy, he's an asshole, but he's completely insignificant. So this guy's death really doesn't do anything other than personal vengeance. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very good characterization to show that she realizes that. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I think sometimes when you have like these powerful sorceresses, they they seem to kind of just waltz through the world, like fucking shit up and not really caring. But it's nice to see that it does take an emotional toll on them sometimes. And they do need to sort of step back and think about it and re reassess and drink themselves into oblivion. <laughs> and I think it's something for the player also, because so much of this, we just live through them. It's, you know, we live vicariously through them and think, oh, I hate this guy. I'm going to kill him. But we're not the ones actually doing it. So it's very easy for us to say, yeah, kill this person. Oh, yeah, murder this person. And it's a game to us. But to these characters, it is them. And we're making them do these things. And it's not just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go slaughter this dude or cut this guy's head off or slit this person's throat or shove this knife eight inches into their <laughs> brain and just be like, oh, all right, back home. You know, we're, we're not going to worry. Normal. Yeah, we're not going to worry about doing that. And so that's I hope a lot of players either have realized that or now that we've brought it up, do realize that as they're playing through games like this. You can find us on Twitter at Witcher Podcast. Email us at witcherpod at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Instagram at witcherpod. Now that I'm off, I'm going to hopefully post a lot more, maybe even try. I'm so bad at graphic design. <laughs> I've put up, I pulled up Canva. I've tried to do it, but God damn it. It's just not my thing. I'm just not good with it. What have you been trying to do? I think the stuff that I do is kind of kind of basic and I like I like how it looks. I'm trying to make it look kind of like a little scrapbook type thing. Yeah. You know, no, I think it, stuff in it. No, it looks better than mine, that's for sure. <laughs> but no, I think it looks good. And yeah, so we're definitely gonna try to post a lot more, uh, be a little bit more active on that, as well as maybe putting up, you know, some like questions to garner engagement. Mm. Uh, especially like one I've already halfway through this episode, I'm like, oh, I need to post about that and put that up there. So hopefully that'll be in there. Um, find us somewhere on there. You can also go into, we'll put a link to Lucy's Discord. And in that Discord is a channel that is podcast specific. And we will start putting in some things in there. Also some special things, maybe some you know background info, maybe some teasers mm -hmm. for upcoming episodes, stuff like that. That would be a great place though for feedback and questions because mm -hmm. other people are involved in it and other listeners can go in there and can talk about it. And it's more of like a message board kind of thing. If you don't know what discord is, it's just a very a message board. Is that kind of the easiest way yeah, to describe like it? Like a forum kind of, yeah, I, don't know, I never know how to describe it, but it's just like a, a server where you join yeah. and there's different channels for talking and yeah. And it's more instant messaging though, as opposed to writing something out, posting, you know? Yes. So yeah. it's much quicker and you can see people it's much quicker feedback, I'd say, and interaction. But Lucy, where can people find you? I am Lucy J. Robin on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and that's it. <laughs> and you are on the verge of Twitch partnership. We're close. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to apply for partner 
at the end of May and did get rejected. But to be honest, I think I said this to you, I was kind of expecting it. I don't know anybody that has been accepted the first time. Um, so I kind of just wanted to get the application out there and get it over with. And hopefully at the end of June, I can apply again and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a big deal. People don't know like what that Twitch partnership is. It basically legitimizes you. Think of it that way. Yeah, it's kind of like you get your little purple tick beside your name and it's just it's a nice you know I don't think you nowadays you don't you don't get loads more perks um but it is kind of just like a nice um can't think of the word we'll see it, it opens it's like doors. a nice achievement yeah exactly. yeah it opens doors for sponsorships like I said it's a legitimized thing so in my medieval brain it's like a mm -hmm. nobility if you will where yeah. <laughs> you see that check mark and you know it's basically like oh this this is someone who is, you don't not necessarily a pro. Uh, you don't have to be like a pro, pro or full time in that, but basically, it just kind of helps with sponsorships. It helps. I know, I'm sure with the like the algorithm of random Twitch, like your name mm -hmm. probably goes up. You know, something like yeah. that. I'm sure it helps out. So if that's something you have not checked out, uh, make sure to check out Lucy on Twitch as she. I would. I was about to say as she struggles through Elden Ring, but I don't think it's a struggle. No, I'm, I'm kind of good at it now. I think it depends what area you're in because each area has got its different levels and you know very quickly if you stumble into an area that you are not leveled up enough for. And I did that a little bit last night with this giant electrical fire breathing dragon. I just went, nope. You know that Simpsons meme where grandpa walks into the bar and then just immediately walks just back out? Right back out. Yeah, <laughs> That was me nope. yesterday. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, make sure y'all check that out. You can find me on Twitter at, why did I just completely drew a blank <laughs> as I'm looking at the word? You can find me on Twitter at thefoxbride4, and you can find me on Twitch at thefoxbride, where I am pretty much going through goofy modded Skyrim. I'm so trying good. to find different challenges to do, and I have one that I'm going to do next time. And I'm basically going to go to each major city in Skyrim. And I'm going to spawn as many of these bandit leaders as possible <laughs> and to see how many each city can kill. Nice. And we're going to and we're going to bet and see which city can kill the most of them before they all get killed. Yeah. And stuff like that. I'm going <laughs> to we're going to see. Oh, it's so funny. All I think I broke your game last time I was in your stream, didn't I? You did. You broke it. Um, that is clipped <laughs> on my channel. Uh, other people, yes, it's whenever the too many dragons spawn underground, they start flying and clipping through. Yeah. And uh, it tends to break the game, but that's Skyrim and that's everything. So that's <laughs> fun. Join us next time on The Path as we write a play with Priscilla. <laughs>